Hey everyone, and welcome to Reflection Moments. My name is Gavin, and joining me as always is Bree. What's up? And JP. Yo. And we want to thank you for tuning in to today's episode as we dive into all things grace, the gospel, and culture. How are you guys doing? Excellent. I am looking forward to our conversation today. Come on, Breezes. Yeah, I think it's going to be a good one. Yeah. I'm excited about this one. So, I mean, can I just go into like why we're talking about this subject? <laughs> yeah, or so, is there a alert, formality to in case it? you or? clicked on this without reading the title. <laughs> How about vengeance today? JP, go ahead. Yes. Good. So, based on the title, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really pumped to talk about it because we had an exciting time together with our community and we did a live recording. Um, yes, we did. And you guys obviously saw that for the last episode. Yeah. So um, that was new, was fresh, it was cool. And I loved it because we got through the messaging and just like how it is in community when we end on those reflection points with folks being able to speak on what they're reflecting on and how God's processing um, or downloading, I'll say things that, you know, are being spoken about. It was so cool because vengeance came up as mm. a question. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, someone in the community to ask and they said, transparently, you know, when you're processing through pain or hurt or trauma, or you're frustrated about something that's gone on, how do you really view vengeance when it comes to the gospel? Mm, vengeance God's way. Right. Um, because we've heard so many different spinoffs of it. Yep. Um, growing up in church, I heard so many different labels of what God's vengeance actually was mm-hmm. from God doesn't like ugly hmm. to, you know, I'm going to spend time in prayer. I mean, I knew folks who were on prayer teams that would spend time in prayer asking a loving, gracious father to go after sons and daughters for the wrongs that they committed. Mm. Um, I would also hear stories of, you know, hey, if there was ever um, some tragic event, right, a flood or something going on, right, an act of God, as we have called those things, people going out in the airwaves and saying, like, this is God's vengeance being enacted upon a city for, you know, unconfessed sin or things along those lines. So I say all that to say we have so much religious speak when it comes to vengeance, and it's a topic that... We don't really always stop and dive into a whole lot, especially from a new covenant perspective. And so I love the question last time. I think we were all kind of like, oh, this is dope. Yeah. Yeah. Such a great question. It was super raw, vulnerable, but it spun this opportunity to be able to come back around. And we asked the community like, hey, what do you guys think? Should we like hit this next time? And dive into it. And it was like a resounding, yes, please tell us. Like we want to know what God feels about this topic. So it was really cool. And today is the day to do it. Yeah. So if you haven't checked out last week's episode, please go ahead and check it out. out. It was our first live recording. Let's know what you think. We're going to plan on doing that more often. Yes. A few times a year, at least. I love that. I liked it a lot. It was was so fun. Uh, Those chairs were super comfortable, as you could definitely (laughs) tell. We were so comfortable in those chairs. But uh, no, so yeah, absolutely. This this uh, topic of vengeance came out uh, from uh, our reflection moment at the end, and uh, yeah, we just decided to tackle it head on in the in our next gathering, and then here we are today, yes, unpacking it some more, and diving I think in, kind of shedding some new covenant light onto, it, which I'm really excited about for sure, for sure. And I'll say, like everybody's had when it comes to this idea of vengeance, everybody has had their fair share of pain. 
mm. normal, right? To live life means you will walk pain in some way, shape, or form, and certainly in different degrees. Yep. Um, it's not uncommon for our human reaction when we experience pain to have feelings of retribution or payback or I'm going to get back at somebody. They come at me, I'm going to come at them, right? Mm -hmm. So um, oftentimes it can lead us to the the sense of someone did wrong to me and I've got to find a way forward to either repay them for what they did right. um, or now seek a loving father to go and do the bidding on my behalf mm. um, and in hopes to spite a son and daughter that he deeply loves as well. Yeah, which, which interestingly, you know, if you grew up in church, which, you know, here we are. Here we are. Did. But you grew up in church? Absolutely, all my life. <laughs> JP, you grew up in church? Here we are. Okay, so <laughs> the father outside of the gospel is vengeful. Yeah. Right? When in the old covenant perspective or in the in the perspective of a religious, you know, payback uh, system of like, you know, oh, the people were sinning, so God destroyed the earth through the flood, right? It's like, oh, that makes sense, right? Right. So through that lens, for sure. Yeah. But through the lens of the new covenant as we're walking through or the, the way that we're choosing to live now through the grace lens. Yes. It is not the case. No. And it changes the whole landscape, right? So like, I know that we've all come into the grace message. And uh, for those listening, uh, what that means is that we, you know, all of us have lived spaces and lives where going to church, we had what we would call a mixed theology, right? Mm -hmm. So you would come to church some days and feel like, oh man, Jesus really loves me. And then you come to church some days and the word people will toss out is like, man, I came leaving really convicted, like mm -hmm. feeling like I was a convict, right? Mm -hmm. God is coming down hard on me and punishing me for like things I did on a Saturday night at the club. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and then you don't know which way to feel about God. Right. Yeah. So some Sundays he loves me. Other Sundays, I'm not sure if he loves me as much. Hmm. Um, and all of it produces this works based system. Right. Mm. My performance dictates God's feelings about me. Wow. Mixed theology. Mm -hmm. Right. When you come into a revelation of the new covenant, the gospel as we speak about it, yep. um, this covenant of grace, you start to realize fully and completely, God's pleased with me just as I am, right where I am. And it's not about my performance, it's about his performance. Mm -hmm. Not about what I do, but what, what about he, it's about what he did yeah. mm -hmm. for me. Has already done. Yes, I'm going to get it out. Um, but yeah, it's so beautiful when you look at the gospel from that perspective, right? So it changes everything, how we see the father, how we see ourselves. And then in this context of vengeance, how we relate to each other. Yeah, that's right. So in this topic of vengeance and, and on a very human to human interaction, I would say as you said, you know, you do wrong to me. I want to do wrong to you. Yeah. It's kind of like a human nature thing. Totally. What goes around comes around. It's it, like karma, right? Mm. Like you give me this and in return, I don't wish you getting better than that. I wish you getting what you gave. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and in a way, like we believe that this good father goes by the way of karma, hmm. you know? Um, 
that's definitely, and I, and I definitely agree with you, like growing up in churches and I, I don't know about you guys, like what particular like denomination you were in. I was in multiple different denominations, Mm -hmm. but that thinking of, you know, vengeance and like that, that mindset of the father is really what kept bottoms and seats mm. because of the talk about fear. That. Yeah, That's talk big. about that. You're fearful of this mean God that, you know, if you're not there or if you're not doing exactly what they've laid out of their rule book <laughs> for a good Christian, then <laughs> you are not worthy. Then there's all these things that are going to happen to you. You know, all the bad, you get sick. Well, it's because of this or this. Mm. Um, so where the, you know, not all, but some of the churches that I grew up in, that was what really kept people coming back and trying their best to like live this like perfect life because they were so terrified of Jesus. Yeah. Um, Mm. and then, yeah, I mean the, the talks of like what goes around comes around, you know, you mess up. Yep. Well, this is, you know. This is why you're getting this on this end. Yep. Um, so it's definitely something like growing up that. So taking that idea mm-hmm. of thinking that if we mess up against an earthly father or or wherever we are, our religious structure, mm-hmm. and and then he may want to do harm towards us, most certainly puts us in a position to think that's how others think towards us. Yeah. Revenge. Yep. This idea of doing wrong to somebody else or someone doing wrong to me, therefore I want harm or suffering. And I think those are really extreme words, but they are applicable, right? Like, you know, um, so which, as you said, JP kind of comes from this place of being hurt, having pain, having something done towards you that you feel is, uh, immoral or wrong or something. And through those moments of pain, uh, we tend to lash out, which is when that idea of revenge, that idea of Mm -hmm. vengeance comes into play. Mm -hmm. So why do we think, bring this to discussion, why Mm. do we think pain causes us to lash out? Man, that's a good question. Um, And I want to give it thoughtfulness and pause on it to really think through my answer on that because I think it's complex. Mm-hmm. It's not straightforward for people, including myself. So all the things that I speak about, I speak on the basis of it being a journey for me personally too. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of it to start is the feeling of rejection. I think rejection is really hard for humans. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't like to be rejected, right? And on the basis of how we were designed in Christ, the blueprint of our DNA in the Father, right, is that we are fully accepted in Him. We have a seat perpetually at His table. Mm. So when you have innate sons and daughters created and blueprinted for acceptance, rejection becomes extremely hard Mm. to process. Um, because it's so counter to who the father is in his makeup and his DNA. So I think rejection is really hard when we feel rejected. You know, again, you get into the whole vibe of like, you know, fight or flight responses. Everybody's wired differently. 
I'm more of a fight response in those moments of rejection. So I'm going to find ways to run to it or address it, whether it's healthy or not healthy. Um, and again, I, this is why I love the podcast because it's a real reality that every human to some degree faces, right? Yeah. Yeah. We don't like rejection. We don't like the idea of feeling vulnerable or losing control. Like those are hard things to grapple with in a moment yeah. where you're, you may have an exchange with another human being that you didn't expect, maybe didn't deserve. And now pain's being inflicted on you in ways that feels like you're losing some semblance of control. Yeah. Um, and then the immediate vibe is like, okay, well, you came at me sideways. Well, I'm gonna come back at you just as sideways, if not more so. Mm. Um, so just early thoughts, I would say probably some of those things would be reasons from my end that I, I could come up with. Yeah. Brie, what do you think? Why does pain cause us to lash out? Yeah. Control was the one thing that I was thinking too, which is, you know, it's the only part in that equation that you have your grip on, right? The yeah. way you lash out, you can't control what happened to you. You can control how you respond to it. Um, when we were talking about this at reflection, it was brought up. Um, and I thought that it was a, you know, a good mention, um, that that's what people have. That's what children even have been taught, right? They, they've mm, been taught mm. to respond that way. They, they were not taught how to, um, take pain and like process it the correct way or maybe even take it to the Lord or they weren't taught those steps. So some of it is what they have learned um, as their kids. Um, for me, I definitely see it as um, control, but I also, I, I think it's, um, it's the only, at times we can feel like it's the only thing in the midst of this really, you know, destructive situation that feels a, a little bit good. It's it's the flesh side of yeah. us mm. being able to respond. Facts. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, another idea, and we discussed it about, you know, at least there's something that comes to my mind, which is the idea of rumination, the Ooh. idea of, of replaying whatever that hurtful moment was over and over again. Yeah. Like, it's almost like a movie in your mind, mm. or mm. and you just can't stop thinking of, you know, Oh, this is what I should have said, or this is how I'm gonna react mm -hmm. next time I see that person, yeah. or or oh, they're not gonna get away with it this time, or whatever it may be, like this this feeling of or this idea of constantly replaying over and over again to find the perfect solution or the perfect yeah. response or mm -hmm. the perfect, you know, verbal backhand or whatever it may be that yeah. you feel is suffice to get your uh, I don't know, like emotional completion, right? Like yeah. this feeling of like I feel suffice when I got done dirty towards. Yeah. Th that's a, an interesting topic because it's something that <clears throat> I've talked to my therapist about and shout out to all the therapists helping shout people through out. pain and trauma. We love, you. um, love you. Thank you for being vessels of health and healing. Um, because I don't think that even gets talked about enough right. in church circles. Right. Um, the value of being able to have like healthy voices in your life that can walk you through those things. But one thing to that point of rumination that my counselor had talked about once was that when you ruminate like that, um, typically you're going through what he described as episodic memories, hmm. right? So they're episodes that get etched in your brain that you're rehearsing over and over. And he said the danger for any human to keep doing that is that you convince yourself that you're trying to learn more and more 
about the episode. Mm. So I'm going to rehearse that interaction. I'm going to rehearse what the person said. I may rehearse like their vibe to me. And why did they come at me like that? And then pipe up to me that way, hoping to learn more about the interaction itself and not knowing that one, our brains are never learning more about it because they're already etched memories. Yeah. And two, the more we rehearse it, the more we get emotionally tied to them. Mm. So it's not producing healthy emotion. It's producing the type of emotion that really causes us to seek vengeance, right? Mm. It's the anger and, you know, the, the volatility, the feeling of like, I'm going from zero to 100, the more that I continue to rehearse this over and over in my brain. And then this is the danger of rumination, right? Is that you get frustrated, something happens, and I think about examples like at work, right? So you get to work, you walk in, you may be having a good day. All of a sudden, that one coworker that you just know you don't vibe with shows up, right? right. Says something that doesn't need to be said in a moment. You're not ready for it. And then literally you, you know, may leave. You may feel hurt. You may feel pain from that interaction. You get in your car and you've got a 45 minute commute and hello, because companies are getting people going back to work. Right. I'm Shout one out. of them. Shout out big companies. Yeah. Come October. I'm in three days a week. <laughs> right. But that's a 25, 30 minute commute yeah. traffic. So you get in your car, you're driving down the road. And again, you're rehearsing, ruminating on the interaction mm. and how hurtful, painful, frustrating, whatever instead it was. Instead of listening to this podcast, like you should be facts, you are ruminating, ruminating, <laughs> And getting more and more frustrated. So then that at that point, you get to the house yeah. and your wife, your husband who's mm. sitting there, your partner that's there, who's ready to receive you with open arms of love mm -hmm. and fun and excitement has it coming because yeah. you've been ruminating, right? So Justly. At, yeah. So at a moment's notice, they come at you in a way that you didn't expect. They say something that you didn't like and they're the path of least resistance mm. and boom, in that moment, we get triggered and then we detonate. Mm. And that's the danger of, you know, those emotions circulating in such an unhealthy way. Yeah. And at times, even when vengeance comes out from us, it typically is coming out to the wrong person. Yeah. yeah. So instead of having the conversation with that coworker to say, hey, this is how I felt after our interaction, we hold it, we bottle it, we start bubbling. And then at a moment's notice, we get triggered and then we blow up and lose it. Yeah. So, you know, ultimately a lot of the ideals of revenge as, as it pertains to being from our human perspective is physical. It is yeah. in our minds. It is something that is, you know, like we're saying vengeful and wrong, I think personally. Um, but if we jump to some other part that we've gotten here in our notes that, you know, really I like is that if we go to the gospel for answers. Yes. Always. Okay. Here's the truth. Yeah. That the major difference between the human vengeance and what we're going to be looking at, vengeance God's way, divine vengeance. Yes. From a new covenant perspective. New covenant perspective. Yes. There's a few things here I'm going to read off. Love it. Human vengeance seeks payback, like we're talking about, mm -hmm. and retribution. Divine vengeance pursues peace and restoration. Man. Okay, wait, wait. Say that one more time. And I'm going to say this. These are easier things to say than do, right? So we're all here getting all geeked out. <laughs> yeah. But I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I didn't just go off on somebody yesterday, right? <laughs> like, let's just, you know, or in a few days from now, hello? Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. so. Yeah. Yeah. Guilty. Glory to God. Okay. Um, 
Human vengeance seeks payback and retribution, mm. but divine vengeance pursues peace and restoration. So good. Human vengeance is vindictive. Divine vengeance is vindicating. Wow. Brings justice. Yes. Human vengeance punishes wrong. Divine vengeance makes right. Amen. Mm. Lastly, we're written out here. Human vengeance is about revenge. And again, that's something that we talked about just a moment ago. Yep. Divine vengeance is about righteousness. Mm-hmm. Do any of those strike something with you? Brie, anything? I mean, I just think that looking at it through that lens, it's nothing of what we were taught. Hmm. It's nothing of what we even live out or think most of the time. Um, when you when you spoke about this at mm. Reflection, you know, it's like you're watching faces just go. Whoa. <gasps> yeah. You know, it's it's crooked thinking, straightening up, aligning, you know, to and and really things were clicking because the gospel clicks. Yeah. You know, and it resonates. Um man, human vengeance punishes wrong. Divine vengeance makes right. Hmm. I love that. Yeah. Like, because at some point I'm going to be wrong. Mm. So I'm looking at it like, okay, let's go back to like fleshly wise. I, there are times where I want that person to pay. Right. Right. But if, if I go back to like myself, I know at some point I'm going to be that person. Hmm. I'm not going to do it right. I'm not going to do everybody right. Yeah. So like, that to me, just reading that off of knowing that I'm human, I'm gonna make mistakes. Human vengeance punishes wrong, divine vengeance makes right. I yeah. that resonates with me. Mm. So let's jump to some scripture yeah. that I think kind of unveils this picture for us mm. a little bit better. And we're gonna I think we need to get through this pretty quickly because I think there's more yeah. meat to our message here. But JP, you wanna walk us through the story of Cain and Abel. Yeah, I mean Genesis four. If you want, if you want to know where we're at, Genesis four. Yeah, Genesis four is a great picture of this because I think honestly it, it speaks to the point that you highlighted, um, which is this idea of punishing wrong. Yes. Right. So uh, a lot of us know the story just generally of Cain and Abel. Um, we know that Abel was murdered. We're talking about two brothers here. One of the brothers was murdered. Abel was the one who, who was killed by Cain. Yep. Um, and the Bible talks about it in Genesis four, that Abel's blood actually cried out to God for vengeance Mm -hmm. was the word used specifically. Um, and the unbelievable thing that I, I see, and this is again, old covenant framework. Yep. Okay. So this is the beginning Genesis, Genesis four. So as much as we talk about God being fire, brimstone, spiteful, coming at people. Noah's Ark, wiping it out. We think of this idea of like a destructive God who's just ready to enact vengeance on any and everybody. Here was a perfect scenario for God to do that. Mm. Cain murders his brother. His brother's blood is crying out for vengeance. And God did not kill Cain the murderer. Mm. We don't see a picture of God going after a son. In fact, what God did was he not only protected him, but he made sure that he was protected from anyone who would possibly seek his life in retribution or in the sense of vengeance 
coming after him for the wrong he committed. So again, I want to highlight this old covenant perspective from the very jump. We don't see this picture of a God who's like, I can't wait to kill somebody who's doing something wrong. (laughs) I can't wait to punish wrongs that have gone on. Yep. We see a father, even in this picture of Genesis 4, who's actually quite gracious. Mm-hmm. So this is a huge delineation between human vengeance as we've seen it, and even, honestly, as it's been at times preached in churches, Yeah. versus what God actually says and shows us regarding his true nature and his character toward sons and daughters. So... Um, I think the idea of being able to rightly divide and separate the difference between human vengeance, what we would seek, yep. what we at times would even pray for, yes, mm. right, is so different than really the heart of God and what he's always sought concerning us in this area of vengeance. Mm. I There's something here I wanted to touch on before we jump to this next part of scripture here, but... When it comes to, uh, once again, humanistic vengeance versus God's vengeance or what happened in this passage of scripture here, it was written here, it says, one is based on how bad a person is. Maybe your perspective, right? Your perspective on what's going on, even in this story. One is based on how bad a person is. The other is based on how good God is. How gracious he is. It's perspective. It's understanding of what God wanted out of it. And he wanted his, in that moment, his grace to be shown towards somebody who did something really horrible. Completely. And again, that's in the very beginning. And people, like you said, they they neglect that, I feel like. Yeah. When they talk about fire, brimstone, God versus, you know, (laughs) new covenant God and and grace that, that, that is shown through Jesus. Yeah, you see grace as really a picture of what God's MO was from the jump. Bam, that's exactly mm-hmm. it. So, like, just to put it in plain speak, like, God's always been gracious. There it is. Yes. Like, grace was his whole motive from the very beginning. Plan A. That's it. And he never had a plan B as a follow-up. Yeah. <clears throat> what he said was, is, Jesus is my plan A, mm-hmm. and that's the plan A that I'm going to walk through and enact to its entirety, even in the context of taking a broken covenant and restoring it with a better covenant of grace that we walk in today. But that's been his plan. Yep. And yet when it comes to rules, requirements, religion, those are things that we asked for. That was never something he asked for. Those are things when you go back to the law, those were requests from man, right? Requests from the children of Israel saying we need boundaries and a framework and something we can follow. (laughs) That was never God's heart. So I think in some ways we're guilty and prone to that of taking something we asked for, twisting it and making it look like it was God's purpose all along. Mm. And here's the news flash for all of us. And it's good news. Grace has always been his agenda. So even in this context, when you look at it, and I love that point you made, human vengeance is going to look at the bad in a person. But man, thank goodness for an amazing father who says, I'm perpetually focused on the good in you. Yes. He's good. You're in union with good himself, greatness himself, a loving father, and that's all he's focused on forevermore. Yeah. That's so, what he sees in you. So what is God's vengeance then? Yeah. Right? So what is vengeance God's way or how he defines it? So we have some scripture here. 
Breezes, you want to walk us through Isaiah 61. Feel free to interject some thoughts here, but I think this is a really great uh, starting point for that. Go ahead. Isaiah 61, 2 through 4. It says, The day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and Mm. a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair or heaviness. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will Mm. rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places Mm. long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. So So divine vengeance. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Moves by grace to forgive, restore, and make new. Mm. Say that again. Say that again. I mean, interrupt you. Go ahead. Divine vengeance moves by grace to forgive, restore, and make new. In the first, how many words is this? Six or seven words here in the scripture. The day of vengeance. So you start with that. The day of vengeance. This is clarity for us. Oh man, the day of vengeance. You go. (laughs) Oh man, it's gonna be lightning. And everybody's bracing. It's gonna be fire. Yeah. Hopefully, I can make it out of this. (laughs) Of God is then to comfort all who wait mourn. That's God flipping the script on us. And that is Isaiah. That is still old covenant. Hmm. This is changing the game. It's kind of an interesting thing that, uh, I don't know, my entire life was left out of, uh, you know, a perception of God, I think. For real. It's true. And Hmm. when we see, okay, let's just speak from our perspective on this. Yeah. Because we have shared that, you know, at some point, all of us were in full-time ministry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I can honestly say one of the most hurtful places that I have experienced some pain and this idea of vengeance has been in different seasons and parts of my life in the church. Hmm. Um, and I don't project that on anyone to say that's everyone's experience, but I can speak for myself to say that is a larger sample size of my pain and feeling of human vengeance being enacted. Hmm. And if it's coming from the church, which is ideally the best expression of our relationship, our union with Christ, right? It is ideally what we are experiencing with the healthiest community, the healthiest voices, and the people who will rock with you in the worst of times, but rejoice with you as well in the best of them. Mm -hmm. If that environment is producing this type of behavior, it creates a weird space where you're not able to reconcile, wait, God sees me this way, but yet what I experience in church on a Sunday doesn't look anything close to comforting Mm. those who are mourning, Mm. right? So, Or rebuilding. Right. Or restoring. Or renewing. Well, in in this scripture, like, what's crazy is the, what he ends up doing, taking, it, it says... Okay, so it says to comfort all who mourn, right? So mourn is something that we would put in the revenge category, right? Completely. You're mourning, mm. right? And then it says and provide for those who grieve, right? 
to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. Again, ashes would be in that revenge category. It's all of the things. He literally like flips the whole thing. And I've Mm. never seen that scripture like that Mm -hmm. with the picture of starting out the day of vengeance of our God. I've never stopped. I know this scripture. Yeah. I've heard it. Mm -hmm. I sing songs about it. Mm -hmm. Beauty for ashes, joy for, you know, all of that. I've never gone back to that first part and rightly divided that. Mm -hmm. It's so, it's so important. And I think in a lot of ways it's freeing. Yeah. Because you start to see a father who really does love his kids. Yeah, absolutely. All of them. All of them. Those that are done wrong too. And those who are doing the wrong. Doing the wrong. And that is such a hard, again, is an easier thing to say. We're all here greased up, but that is the reality. And that's why I love the idea of talking about church hurt. Mm. Because as much as it did hurt, talk about it. I could easily take the stance of God go get them for what they did. Hmm. God removed them because that's not healthy. Hmm. And yet to even ask a father who's saying this in Isaiah 61, my day of vengeance doesn't look anything like go get them and hurt them for what they did to hurt me, Mm. right? You're looking at sons and daughters on the other side of that hurt who were just as loved, Mm -hmm. just as favored, Mm. just as blessed, where grace is hyper-flowing toward them as much as it's hyper-flowing toward me. Yeah, talk about it, Bray. And that revelation took us years to get to yeah after trauma in that area so there's almost like a low-grade frustration at you know after a couple years you're like i want to say you know either i want to say something or i want to see something done or i you know i'm waiting and and then coming to this like we really did have a revelation of this when it came to vengeance and it being his children on both sides, you know? And then when we got there to that revelation, we really were able to come to like a healing place of like Jesus, like just as much as for us, you're giving beauty for ashes. You're also placing a crown on their head. Mm. Like I, might not like it in that moment, but that's how much you love them. Yeah. And that's how much you ultimately love me. And you gave a great illustration of our kids. Yeah. We have four kids and you talked about that. If one of them came to us and said, hey, (laughs) my brother hurt me. Right. Yeah. And really said something that was like painful. Dad. Yeah. Go get him. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> like burn it, their house down burn ruin, his house yeah ruin their lives you know strip everything away from them because they did this to me we would never respond that way <laughs> as earthly no. parents yeah like from a real practical standpoint for those who have kids or you you know have nieces or nephews or whatever the case is put yourself in that place you're not going to respond that way hmm And really, at the heart of it as parents, we're going to take the stance of being ministers of reconciliation. There you go. Absolutely. There you go. 
So we're going to say, hey, get your sister, get your brother, come in the room, let's talk it out. There we go. Right? You guys hug it out. Let's get to a place of peace. Let's get back on the same page. You love each other. You're for each other. So don't ask me to do something like that to hurt, you know, a sibling for what they've done. Because again, the tables will turn. Yeah. Yeah. So what in a moment can seem okay for thee, but not for me, mm-hmm. could easily be flipped on the other side, mm-hmm. right? Because at some point when I'm asking God to go after people who wrong me, like you mentioned, at some point I'm going to be the one doing the wrong to somebody else Absolutely. and mm-hmm. want hyper grace in that moment. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> so we have here another passage to go right along yes. with where we're going. I think we're tracking really well here. It's in Luke 18, JP, I want you to touch on this. Yes. So um, it's eight verses of scripture, um, and I'm going to paraphrase it yeah, for say, everybody because yep. it's a bit long. Um, but basically what we have here is the the parable uh, of the unjust judge uh, or the parable of the widow. It's kind of phrased differently in certain Bible translations, but um, this is a parable. It's Jesus telling a story to prove a point and yet reiterate and drive home this uh, truth of who he is, who the father really is, right? In moments where someone's going through something really tough. So we have a widow in this story who um, was married, of course, um, and lost her husband. Hmm. Um, And this parable is describing a scenario where the widow um, lost her husband to injustice, something being done wrong to her husband, uh, that ultimately proved to cost him his life. Mm. And we know back at that time, when you break down culture and societal norms, women who um, you know, were uh, married to um, you know, a man in those days, they were completely tied economically to the husband and all that he provided. They had no means to be able to provide for themselves. Typically, education was not there. So literally, all ability to... Um, provide for day-to-day requirements, right? Came through the husband. So this widow has lost everything. And I think about that because it's a, in a practical way, you know, it's a moment for us to pause. If you've lost something in your life or lost someone, yeah. right? Or you've walked in justice and you felt yeah. this sense of, you know, at times what we describe as kind of this righteous anger. I've watched something wrong. I saw something and I wanted to say something. Yep. Um, this is a parable that really, I think, strikes at the heart of what humans would feel and have felt for a long time in similar situations. And so we have a widow who basically has gone through this trauma um, and is walking this pain, and it talks about it. She comes to the city to this unjust judge who has no regard for God or for man, um, and she specifically comes in and says... Um, I want vengeance, basically, like get justice for me um, from my adversary. So I've lost my husband. There was injustice done here and I want justice. Right. Like I see the picture today of like signs being held up, like postings, like going viral on social media, like get justice for this widow who was like wrongly um, impacted. And so she's literally in this moment asking for that type of. Um, retribution for what she's walked through and the judge didn't want to hear. Hmm. Um, And this is another picture of reality for a lot of us who 
uh, may have known loved ones who've walked into the justice system and felt like, man, nobody wants to hear my voice, my story. You feel wrongly accused, right? She is in this space of going, there was a real wrong done and I'm asking for help. And yet this judge sitting here doesn't even care to hear my voice. Mm. Painful, horrible place to be, right? Um, and so it talks about this in, in verse one, but um, Jesus is saying that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. And this this parable is interesting because the way I've most often heard it preached is the widow was super persistent in prayer, mm. right? She kept asking, kept praying, kept asking, kept praying, and then God wasn't doing anything. Hmm. So then she shows up at the courthouse and now she's trying to bang down the doors of the courthouse asking for justice for the wrongs that have been done. Um, and this judge has had it, right? Like he is over it. He's like, dude, I've seen you every day at 8 a.m. asking for the same things. Go home. Like, I don't want to hear you. I have no interest to hear your case. Like, I get it, but please leave. Like, I'm over it, right? So she's in just a really dire strait. Um, and the powerful part of this this set of verses and really the parable as a whole um, is that it, it speaks of this, this notion that she's asking for these things. She's praying for a while. She gets no response. And then it flips and it says, after a while, mm -hmm. after a while, uh, this judge who didn't want to hear her all of a sudden flips his vibe, um, his heart turns. Mm -hmm. And what was once a very stone cold judge that had no interest in her all of a sudden now turns to her and really wants to see her, hear her, respond to her. Um, and a few different powerful truths to come out of this that, you know, we want to highlight, which is prayer is important. Prayer is critical. Prayer is absolutely a discipline that um, doesn't move the heart of God because he's already moving on your behalf. That's yep. what Jesus did. Yep. Um, but prayer is something that is so important um, to speak life over circumstances and situations because there is power in our declaration. Um, so while it is powerful, what this widow was doing was using prayer as a works. She was hoping that she could work her way into, I'm going to pray in hopes that God will move on my behalf. Right. Yes. So she's praying for God to move, not praying from a place that he's already moved mm. on her behalf. Um, so there was one thing there that's just so important when it comes to like religion and prayer. It's like how you pray is so important yeah. because she was praying in vain, right? There was nothing happening. Mm -hmm. And then this judge wasn't hearing her. And after a while he flipped. Mm. And what you see is that it wasn't her prayer necessarily. It wasn't even her showing up. It was the grace of God. Yes. Do we not think th speaking of vengeance, do we not think the heart of a judge is in the hand of the Lord. Mm, that's right. Do we not think that whoever has wronged you, God literally has that person's yep. heart in his hand yep. and can do more than we could ever manufacture by driving to a courthouse, banging down doors, yep. hoping to enact our own vengeance or justice. Yes. Yeah. It's a powerful scripture that we see here. And all he ends it with, and this is what Jesus says, and I love it. He says in verse eight, I tell you that he will avenge you speedily. Nevertheless, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on earth? Hmm. And what you see is that that is all God is asking is for your trust. Faith is nothing more than trust. 
So it's not praying as a works to move the heart of God. It's praying from a place to say, by faith, God, thank you that you've already moved on my behalf. Mm-hmm. So even though I don't yet see the justice I'm hoping for, that doesn't mean you aren't fighting for justice and vengeance in the way that he speaks of in his word. Mm. And I love that you are using the word justice, and I think this is kind of getting us to, you know, almost the point of where we're going. I, I, I really think that, which is, you know, you're saying the word justice, and we have it lined out here about um, the word justice in scripture as it is in hebrew yeah the way that it is defined i'm going to read this definition brie i'd like you to speak on this after i'm done defining it you ready so it says justice that which proceeds from justice means to vindicate a person's right so first of all when you're talking about justice a moment ago you're talking about justice you're saying i want justice against somebody right from somebody from somebody but this right here different the 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 true hebrew definition of, of justice to vindicate a person's right or to avenge a thing. A thing. Well, a thing is not a person. Hmm. Speak on that. <laughs> a thing is not... We don't see a person mentioned. There's no, it doesn't say to vindicate a person who's done wrong to you. Right. To vindicate or to make right the reaction of somebody else. And doesn't that change everything when God is saying, if I'm going to give justice or... If I'm going to avenge something that's been done wrong to you, I'm not going to go after the person who did it. Mm. I'm not going to go after the son and daughter that I love just as much. I'm going to go after the thing that hurts you. And that's why I want Bree to say something about it. Because a moment ago, you'd mentioned the idea of, you know, pitting sons against each other, right? That that whole idea. But here we see the complete picture that justice is for the situation, not the individual. Talk about it. Yeah, so it's to avenge a thing, not a person. So you, again, you take our four children, whatever their beef is, as parents, earthly, we're going after that thing. subject matter. That's, that, <laughs> that's, and it's ultimately, most of the time, heart issues, Yeah. right? We're going after the matter of the heart or what is separating them. We're not coming for them. So when you look at it like that, grace has been, again, his motive from the beginning. Yep. And if we as earthly parents do that, how much more so a heavenly father? But that's absolutely it. Like that is what he's coming for. Yeah. And it's not going to look like how we think it's supposed to look like. That's right. So at times when you are going in, in prayer and you are declaring like, you know, God, I just declare that, that you have this situation. You might not always look up and go, it's already happened. Hmm. But that, that's the crazy thing. Sometimes we don't even know until like months and months and months later. And you're like, Oh, that led to this, that led to this heart changes, you know, different things aligning. Okay. Like he came after the mm. thing, not the person. The person's still standing, still blessed, still highly favored, still doing what they're called to do. Yep. But he came after the thing. The thing. And we talked about it in our episode on the goodness of God. And again, yep. another one, if you haven't listened to it, listen to it. Um, because there was some really cool illustrations on seeds. Yep. Mm-hmm. And we talked about it. Sometimes God will pluck you 
to protect you. Yep. So when he goes after that thing mm. that's causing division between a son and a daughter, yes. sometimes he will remove you from that thing hmm. to put you in an environment where it's to renew, to rebuild, and to restore. restore. While he also on the other side for possibly the son or daughter that hurt you is doing the exact same thing. Rebuilding, renewing, and restoring. Hmm. That's the heart of God. Mm. And it's a it's it's amazing because there's no losers. Mm. Yikes. And that's what we oftentimes will pray for. God, give them an L. Mm. Yeah. I don't want them stacking up W's because they don't deserve it. That's real talk though. And the gospel is so scandalously good that Jesus has arranged this thing so that there's literally no losers. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and vengeance, even as he's coming after uh, something that's causing hurt, pain, trauma, wrong, something, it's to still ensure that sons and daughters win in the end on both sides. So vengeance, God's way. God's way. Is that, number one, there's restoration. Yeah. Between the individuals. Yeah. Number two, that there's renewal of the mind of the heart. Man. And quite possibly then a rebuilding, maybe not of that relationship, who's to say? Right. A rebuilding of faith, a yes. rebuilding of peace. And I think that one right there, that's a whole nother thing, a rebuilding of peace. I think that's Man. a whole nother subject. That's so true. But that's vengeance God's way. Yeah. And somebody... At the end, you know, shout out to the goats. Oh, Muriel, she said this. Yeah. That there's a fourth one. And then we get in on this, which is, it's not mentioned here, but it's then the rest. The rest. Rest. You then get to rest mm -hmm. when you realize that all these things are working on your behalf. That once you really put your hands up and say, vengeance God's way is me releasing, watching the rebuilding, the renewal, the restoration, I can mm. just rest. Yeah. It's... Rest is so important because, and again, I want to encourage folks watching and listening. Yeah. You will bear fruit despite what you're walking through. Come on. So I know pain is hard because when you walk it and you feel like, man, this is not something I deserved. And now I feel like I've got to go at somebody to even the playing field or level the score you win regardless. Mm. You are an overcomer, which means when things come in your way, you are born with a blueprint and a DNA to come over those things. Right. Mm. So what does that mean for life, for dreams, for visions, for goals, for aspirations that you have? It means that literally what God put in motion, no man can literally stop. Ooh. Nobody can stop what he's put in motion. That's right. Absolutely. So even if you feel like people are coming at you trying to halt or stop you from accomplishing what God has called you to, don't trip because literally what God sets in motion, nobody can put asunder, can put under, can stop it from being what God's called it to be. So I go back to this idea of the vine and the branch illustration that we see in God's word. And he is the vine, we are the branches. Branches just simply abide. They don't work to bear fruit. Nope. 
And the Bible talks about it. It's fruit that we bear. It's not fruit that we produce. Production would mean we have to work to bear it, to, mm-hmm. to produce it or whatever. Mm-hmm. But when we bear it, it is literally a rest. So ultimately, it's trusting that no matter where we're placed, no matter how God walks and maneuvers this thing called life, that he has plans and thoughts toward you to prosper you and not harm you, but to give you a hope and a future that you can feel confident Mm. and rest in. That's so good. And it's a future that says no matter what people have done or continue to do, no matter what people have said or continue to say, no matter what rumors you feel are out there that have nothing to do with the truth or the reality of who you are as a person, it will not stop the fruit that he's called you and purposed you to bear in him. Our only job is just to trust and to rest. Mm. Rest is so critical. That's mm. so good. Well, we always like to wrap it up with a reflection moment. I think that for you, bro, <laughs> like you were just swinging for the fences on that one. That's my end. Bree, reflection moment. I, I don't want to swing after that one. No. <laughs> um, I, I was reading this one, Psalms 35. For his wrath is only momentary, mm. yet his favor is for a lifetime. Hmm. Weeping may lodge for the night, but shouts of joy will come in the morning. Yes. I love that joy and freedom happens when we truly let go of hurtful people Hmm. and we pick up peace. Hmm. We pick up grace and we pick up healing all the things like when we release that, um, it, it will last for a night, right? That pain, mm-hmm. we're human. So for us to sit here and tell anybody who's listening that when you walk through something, oh, don't worry, it's not gonna hurt. Mm. It's gonna hurt. Mm-hmm. But joy comes in the morning. And the first part of that, you know, favor is a lifetime. Hmm. Yeah. So again, there might be moments of pain, of trauma, but you are favored for a lifetime. Joy comes in the morning. So the encouragement that I just feel in my spirit that I needed in in a season was, again, whatever you're walking through, whatever is coming directly to the front of your mind right now when we're talking about pain Mm. and even revenge, Mm. whatever that is, dig deep to it. And maybe you don't have to dig that deep because it's, it's something that again, you're watching the tapes on every day. Ruminating. Right. Whatever that is, release that and pick up peace, release that, pick up grace, release that and pick up favor for a lifetime because that's yours you can hold on to these things or you can let them go and just know God's got it. And he's ultimately fighting your battle in a way that you never imagined he was doing it. Right. It's not a fight against someone. It's against the thing that separated those people. So good. Mm. I think about the wrath of God in that scripture, Psalm 30 and when was it momentarily enacted? On the cross. On the cross. Mm-hmm. Jesus took it. Hmm. So the wrath, again, was not even something God put on us. Hmm. We didn't take the cuts. 
We didn't take the beating. We didn't have the crown of thorns. We had an incredible, gracious, loving father, an incredible son who said, no, don't worry. I'm going to take those things for you mm. as you. Yeah. So that you can save yourself from all the bad and enjoy the lifetime of the good. Mm. So those are the things we magnify. Magnify your favor. Mm. Not a son or a daughter that possibly hurts you because they're hurting too. Mm. Magnify your peace. Magnify your peace. Mm. And okay, last scripture. <laughs> yeah, maybe. yeah, last, last. Maybe, maybe. maybe. John 16, because I feel like this wraps it all up. Okay. I have told you these things so that in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, <laughs> but take heart. That's I it. have overcome the world. He didn't say you have because our overcoming is through him. That's it. Right. I have overcome the world. Take heart. Hmm. We are overcomers. Oh, absolutely. Yes. We are overcomers because he is an overcomer. Yep. That's Take right. heart. I have overcome the world. So good. Mm, that's so good. Well, I think that about wraps it up. For more content and to follow along with all things Reflection, find us on Instagram and threads at Reflection Global and subscribe to Reflection Moments Pod on any platform you're listening on. Lastly, please remember that wherever you are and whatever you're doing, you're loved, favored, and have an incredible purpose for your life. See you guys next time. Later. <laughs>